Welcome to this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 10 of season four of This Osteopathic Life. I'll be honest, it really should be episode 11, and there's that word should right out of the gate here. But today, the number 11 has shown up in all kinds of spaces. It was the number where we hung our badges at the pool. It was the incidental number of snack crackers at the end of the day. It was the number squared of the seat in which I was sitting at the evening recital. And so it seems like episode 11 could be the one for the moment. But here we are, the episode prior to 11 for this season, which can also feel like a bit of a slow start. And in many ways, it has been regarding podcast episodes. In other ways, it's been a rapid start to 2022 on all kinds of other levels. But as you might imagine, or perhaps you're curious about where I might be with all of those 11s showing up in those somewhat random, but I think also universally purposeful ways. And at present, I am at Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp in Twin Lake, Michigan, and I'm here for a Suzuki family camp with my daughter. And I had an episode earlier this season on realistalgia, and we could talk about that here. We could also talk about nostalgia, simply put, flashbacks, which I realize have a lot of connotations. And so as I use that word a few times this week, it's not actually the most accurate. Just the rememberings and the lack of rememberings in some ways. So let's give a recap here. This is a, as the name indicates, camp for the arts And it has been in existence since 1966. The program that we are attending currently has been around for 45 years. And in my experience as a camper here, some 29 years ago, the first time I stepped onto this campus as a rising seventh grader, that seems to be the language we're using now, I attended as a string player. And what I recall really is a lot of the orchestra and band components. Now, I do believe there was also dance at the time, maybe not quite as prevalent as it is now, but I was definitely very orchestra-centric because that was where I participated, so that's what I knew and understood and the people with whom I fraternized. And like many things, I remember as a positive experience. I spent a lot of time playing music in my middle school and high school years. And so anything associated with that often had a very positive memory for me. However, I found some letters on Lisa Frank stationery, by the way, where it was already kind of a trifold and a sticker, brilliant, beautiful. I think it's coming back. I'm gonna have to take a search out for Lisa Frank opportunities there. But I found the one that I had sent to my aunt and uncle And it wasn't terribly positive. It's kind of, this is lame. I don't know anyone. But there's ice cream. There's ice cream available, but you have to pay for it. So please send money. 
Now, this camp would span all of 10 days. You would come ahead of a weekend, spend a weekend, and then get picked up either within or at the end of that following weekend. So I don't even know. Maybe the post traveled faster back then. (laughs) It seems like it takes a long time to get a letter within the state currently. But there was an urgency to also mail cash, which we could talk about that as problematic as well. But those are the pieces that stuck out. And if I think about it, from my recollection without that letter, I remember feeling a bit out of my league. And that was particularly the second year that I came when I was in a different session and you had to share what you wanted to do in the sectionals. So you would be in a session with all people playing your instrument. And I remember saying I had to work on a four octave scale and everyone looked at me like I had four heads because that was such a basic to them thing. And then I thought, oh, geez, I don't know, don't know what I'm doing. And in my own universe of local music in the town where I grew up, I did quite well. I was often principal of the section. I was hired into professional gigs multiple times. But at this camp, I thought, geez, maybe I just don't really know what I'm doing and I should do better and work harder and practice more And all of my teachers <laughs> than if they might be listening now would say, well, yeah. Uh, that would have been great. In any case, I remember feeling a little bit out of my league, especially that second time around. But I also remember fun and talent shows and singing together and creating skits and my first counselor. And the first place that I lived, each of the cabin units had a name. And I recall living in Sleepy Hollow. I couldn't tell you where I stayed the second year. So maybe it was also Sleepy Hollow. Maybe it was a recurrence or simply that has been blocked from my memory. I can remember stand partners from those times. And if you have played in musical groups with a stand partner, that's always a key and critical component of it. And I definitely remember eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That was during those bread love days in vegetarianism that didn't involve vegetables, but did avoid meat. And then the soft serve highlight for sure of the entire experience daily minimum experience. So all of those pieces, I recall, and being here, there are a lot of reflections that are similar. The grand stage replay, Stuart Shell, very much familiar, and all the rehearsals and the performances, and all of the interspersed rehearsal spaces, just these simple platforms and pavilions scattered throughout the woods, It's such a magical thing to just have music all around you, arts all around you, and kids dedicated to their craft, their instrument, their art, their music, practicing because they truly do enjoy it. And that is happening now along with the soft serve. There is soft serve. Honestly, I don't remember the lakeshore. I don't remember the pool. Some of these things might not have been here. Obviously, the lake was here. The pool might not have been. I could go and research all the different structures. Some of the paths seem different. Again, they might be paved. There's definitely newer buildings. And in 30 years, obviously, things have shifted. But that sense of awe and wonder at what these children and kids of all ages can do and play. We had the student recital tonight, and it was marvelous. The skill and the dedication, the memorization, that still blows my mind. And just seeing the possibility and watching it all the way from the ground up. Now, I didn't participate in this 
particular portion of the camp. And this ranges all the way from there are three-year-olds participating all the way through seniors in high school. And just to see that range and to see that graduation of skills and matriculation happening in real time as you go through the concert, you see each stage playing, which is just beautiful to witness. And one of the participants mentioned this was her final year, her final of 11 or 12 years of participating and remembering in her first year, being inspired by those upper level students to come back and to keep practicing and offering them inspiration back. And for me, that's a long way around to coming to the point, we'll say, or the topic here, the theme of this episode, which is realization. And as I mentioned, we had realistalgia, we have nostalgia, and I've shared with you, and it's in the intro every time, the different ways of being, the different selves that I am, the different identities that I carry, and how they all work together synergistically and how some drift to the surface and some sometimes fade into the background at different times in life. And for me, being here in this moment and nearly 30 years after participating in this camp and thinking back to all of those plans that came up, drawing on the inspiration like that participant in the program tonight, beautiful soloist, not a participant, beautiful soloist. And thinking, oh yeah, I'll be a counselor someday and a teacher someday. And at the start of college for me, I was a double major in music and therapeutic recreation. And then I shifted to pre-med and music. And then I walked out of the sightseeing room and chose to participate only in the music performance. And to be very honest, if there was a sliding door moment I would return to and shift, it would be that moment to just stick it out, to stay in that class, to absorb all of that beautiful knowledge. And I recognize that that is not possible and that those sliding door moments have brought me to where I am today. And I can embrace that and choose also to stay curious about it. Now, being here as a 41-year-old and seeing how quickly these students learn and adapt and memorize songs and particularly in the Suzuki method, the volume of notes that are stored in the brain, and also witnessing the capacity to recall that which I did learn in those early stages of my life. Let's say that fourth to eighth grade, particularly, thinking about the pieces I learned at that stage and how well our brain retains them. And then processing my brain as it currently is, attempting to learn a chord on the guitar with my oldest son. And I'll learn it, and 10 minutes later, it's a Dory the Bluefish moment. I thought, wait, was that a G? And was the second finger involved? And which fret? And which string? And which direction of strumming? And to his teenage brain, he's like, what? We just did this. How can you not know? And so just seeing that receptiveness of the brain, and I think that perhaps top of all things, and there are plenty of reasons why continuing that music major, if my 18-year-old self could have some insight from this 30-year-later version would be that. Your brain can just take this all in now. So do it now. Let it soak in and store in and then use it however you might in the future. And from that, I do encourage my children to play music, whether or not is a major or a minor part of their life, all pun intended there. But less pun than I would know because I stepped out 
of music theory classes. <laughs> and just to take it in, just for what it does for their brain. And I think I shared this with you. When I walked into my first rotation in the clinical years of medical school, my preceptor, who became a very good friend during those years when I was in the space of training and stayed on at that institution, had an article about playing string instruments. And he thought, look at this. You know, He was learning to play guitar simply so it would strengthen his brain power. And it was showing the different neuroconnectivity. And he looked, hold this article up to me. I said, did you know this? And I said, well, I've never seen that article. But reading that now, I do see the impact of having played a string instrument all through my elementary and adolescent years and then pausing as I approached medical school, perhaps the worst time to pause because the act of playing and practicing strengthens our brain capacity. And what better time to have that on your side than in those earliest years of medical school, particularly when so much information is being thrown at you. So again, lessons learned and staying out of regret, but staying curious on the reflection space. And what I've noticed here during this time is where it seems like time lost and doors closed, right? missed opportunities, I notice more and more it feels less like that and more like a pause, an act in a play, and more and more I'm able to comfortably embrace the, well, of course, of course I paused that piece. Because other parts, just like in the intro, were meant to take precedence. And we've heard the saying, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. And embracing right? that for the moment of becoming a physician and the studying the time involved in that, the musician component took a backseat. And recalling, too, that it was still there, it was awakened, I had the opportunity to revive it and participate in a professional symphony not all that many years ago. And to tune in and say, well, why? Why do I feel that draw back to it? And what does music mean to me? And perhaps what is the uniqueness of this opportunity coming to it now, having had a grand pause? And you can go back and listen to the episode in the early stages of the pandemic about that impact of the grand pause. And thinking about the idea of reclaiming self and returning to self requires, by nature, in the essence of the definition, a departure from that component. And you might think this is just grasping at straws and trying to conveniently you know, look to what you need in this moment to make it work. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that being the perception. I'm okay with that even being the real thing. But as I examine it, that is what I consider, is why was there this departure and what opportunity exists because there was a pause and there wasn't a linear continuity. I almost said simple, but I couldn't because nothing about the learning and practice of music is simple. However, it can be absolutely simply beautiful. I want to acknowledge that. So in that pause, there is the opportunity to choose it again, to come to it from a different perspective, to embrace new opportunities, certainly 
it might come slower. I would say it will. We just, we'll just guarantee that because I've watched these six-year-olds here memorize pieces in 37 seconds. That would take me 37 days, you know, maybe longer. And so just saying, you can still approach it now. And you might do so with a very different perspective. I think about my classmates in medical school were non-traditional students at various stages and spaces from careers past, raising families prior to coming to medical school, and how different the experience was for them. And we could look at the different in measures of difficulty. Was it harder to learn the material? Perhaps. But was there a different also engagement with it, purpose behind it, joy within it that was preserved? I think so. And some were quite far removed from those pre-med days that many of us who just hopped from the undergrad to the medical school space were in, and it felt a little bit rote. It felt like a track that we were in, perhaps less intentionally, less purposefully, and I don't begrudge anyone. Certainly many in the majority of us were there with purpose, yes, but it's different. It's different when there is a pause and when there is a detour, or when there is just an entirely different path and experience. And from there, we step into this new space or we return to a space. Many of my classmates had this vision of being a physician, paused, and then returned to it, knowing this is where I was going to be. I didn't perhaps know there would be these interwoven spaces between the then and the now. But of course, this is where I am. And so I've said many times since college, probably, you know, since walking out of the music major, maybe upon graduation, thinking, I will come back to this someday. I'll reclaim it one credit at a time, one class at a time. And then I thought, well, why? What would you do with it? Would you teach? Would you perform? And as I watch the soloist today, that still doesn't appeal to me all that strongly, although maybe more actually than it did in the past with a sense of belief that you could do that with a different confidence than perhaps I had in my teenage years. But small ensembles, absolutely. Watching the trio and quartet that opened the session this evening, that that was quite literally my jam. And teaching, yes. And participating now with my children as they're in various stages of learning string instruments, being grateful that I have the foundation that I do and that I can begin this exploration of violin. And that too is a return. I actually began on the violin and swapped to cello when there was a need for those instrumentalists at that time in my life. Although now it seems to have flipped. There are a number of cello players locally where I live and often a paucity of viola. And so if anyone's considering, take it in. And certainly the viola will choose you because violists are their own brilliant and specific subset of string instrument players. But consider that because there is often quite a need. And so I can be grateful for it, consider the performance in different iterations, consider the teaching, and consider it for my own learning and let the unfolding happen as it will. I think about that with coaching. When I began coach certification training, it wasn't with an intent to launch a coaching practice. It wasn't to the exclusion of that, but it really was for the enrichment process and the learning for myself, the learning to help support my practice as a physician. And you might think, well, that went well. You're not clinically practicing at the moment. And I would say 
absolutely, yes, it did go well because the way that I'm engaging with medicine is how I always imagined it to be. And that coach certification training gave me some of the language and the logistics and the framework. And I'd say the permission really from that opening moment of the class when they said, you don't tell people what's wrong with them and they had the answers. That aligned exactly. We're going to talk about this musically. It resonated right, with my values in the practice of medicine. And so it did enrich my own experience. And from there, it opened this space for the beautiful practice of coaching and the opportunity to work with physicians at all stages of education and training and practice all across the country to collaborate in new ways with colleagues. So you never know. And it required, if you will, that detour, because I was in a kind of therapeutic recreational, we could look at a coaching perspective space previously, pause from that medicine, and then it resumed in that way. And so with music, what would it look like to realize that dream? And thinking too, that dream perhaps was never fully formed because even those questions of what would you do with this degree weren't necessarily answered. And in some ways, I intended to complete the degree and go to medical school, which is totally possible. And some of my classmates in medical school who had completed relatively unrelated degrees were actually the most successful, perhaps the most interesting, perhaps the most satisfied because they didn't limit themselves to one way of being. Again, no disrespect to any pathway of taking you there, but noticing those who had had a psychology or a philosophy or an art degree leading into medical school brought a whole different flavor and a wholeness of themselves to the experience. So thinking about what would that act of realization look like, feel like, be like? And so let's just pull the definition here briefly. Realization, an act of becoming fully aware of something as a fact. And that one is fascinating through the lens of coaching and how much time we spend delineating story versus fact. And I was recently reviewing feedback from the programs we completed in the spring and that is a huge part. And many of the participants often comment, if there's just one thing I take away from this program, and there are lots of classes and curriculum and teaching points and coaching moments, but the idea of delineating story versus fact. And so this awareness, right, and actually becoming fully aware and seeing that nuance there, because we might know kind of gently, briefly, peripherally, side-eye way, oh, that's a fact, and that's the story I'm telling about it. But to become fully aware, to realize is to really look at it head on and own it and say, okay, that's the fact, right? So here are the fact. I did not complete a music major. That's a fact. But here's another fact. It is not a finite closed off pathway. That remains available. And even just that, oh, okay, this is still available to me. Music is still available and it doesn't even require the degree part, right? That is a choice. That is an investment for sure. And we could talk about that in many other episodes, but just seeing what are the facts here and what is it like to really look at them head on? The second definition, the fulfillment or achievement of something desired or anticipated. And the sample underneath this, we could look as a ER moment. He did not live to see the realization of his dream. 
So just pausing there for a moment. And I'm offering up this example because it's certainly ripe for the viewing in this moment, given the current setting, the fulfillment or achievement of something desired or anticipated. And so here, if we take the osteopathic concept and look at the health of all things, let's start with where you have realized something desired or anticipated. So I realized the becoming of a physician. I realized the embrace of parenthood. I realized playing in a professional symphony. So acknowledging where realization has happened and then building on that, what were the steps taken? How did that come to being? And we could very much, of course, acknowledge luck and happenstance and privilege and all those pieces. And also the active ways in which you contributed to that realization. And you begin to see, oh, well, have I been able to implement these? Or how could I translate this from a past successful experience of realization to a space where I hope to go? And see that you absolutely do have the skills and the capacity. And when there are gaps, you have the resourcefulness to seek the support that you need. When there seem to be hard stops, that's a space where we can look toward systemic change and advocacy and allyship and those pieces that may help to bring you there. Mentorship may be a critical piece. And particularly in music, right? people have teachers who guide them from their zone of genius. And so just recognizing that you have realizations in your life And if there are spaces where you seek to realize something, that you can draw on those past experiences and translate them accordingly. And simply because we're here, right? An actual, complete, or dramatic form given to a concept or work. A perfect realization of Bartok's second violin concerto. And so just noticing that, right? This realization is this thing, right? And actual, complete, or dramatic form. And just looking at that trio of descriptors there, actual. So where is this really happening? Where is it beyond imaginary and come into form? Complete. So all the parts are contained there. So we could look at the partial realization here and seeing that, yes, you can play and read music, and understand at the base level and engage with this, right? And there's also room to complete it, to enrich that full experience. And then, of course, the dramatic form. And even in the telling of this tale, it could be simple and dry and fact-based, or it can hold this emotion and be emphasized and given more body. So, As you consider something that you might wish to realize, to become fully aware of, or to fulfill or achieve something that you have been seeking, perhaps for an indefinite amount of time, perhaps more recently, I will say during these past two and a bit years, having more clarity on what we want to do, often by way of what we no longer are willing to do is a way that we can get toward that path of realization. 
And so for now, for me, what I'm going to do is embrace the curiosity of it all and embrace this moment in this time when the number 11 continues to present itself, feeling that universal wisdom and calling, being back on these grounds where I arrived as a 12-year-old, right, just coming through that year 11 of my life and thinking, well, why am I here right now in this moment? You might think, well, because you signed up for the camp and you brought your daughter. But of course, we're going beyond right, that realization of the facts of why I'm here to that universal extension, invitation, opening of all the times, because I could have been here previously. And I shared with a friend on Facebook, I lived right, 15 minutes away from here for 10 years of my adult life and never set foot back on campus. I have three children, all of whom play string instruments. None of them attended the camp. I joked about it with one of my beloved stand partners from my time here actually in the international program that we should bring both of our families and be here as this reunion and it never happened. And no problem, no fault, no lament or regret there, but just saying in this particular moment, I happen to be here. I'm realizing that I'm fulfilling that desire of having my children participate. And it was the third of my children, right? There was a delay. There was a bit of a detour, let's say, in that. But also, this is, of course, the best moment for that to happen. And the return to myself, the musician, may be a powerful renaissance and the realization of that dream in this time may have much more to offer in the grand scheme of my life than had it continued in a linear fashion from those teenage years. So I'm not entirely sure. And we could talk about visioning and the power of that. And I am not discounting it, nor am I avoiding it. But for right now, I'm staying open and being in the moment of this experience. And then we'll begin to step forward into well, what would it look like? What do I want? What am I willing to do? What is available to me? Answering all of those relatively logistical questions and trusting that the process will reveal itself as I remain a willing participant in the experience. So in this time of realization, I invite you to reflect on that which you wish to realize. I invite you to remain open to the signs the universe is offering you, whether that be numerical or in reconnections or with an arrival to a space that has been familiar at one point, has become foreign in the time between, and now has the opportunity to shape the path for you into your future. And for now, I will close this episode and the final night here in this experience with so much gratitude and wonder and awe and appreciation and realization of this dream in this iteration right now. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.